Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving. Now, in season two, The Cannamom Show continues on its mission to empower women-centric cannabis businesses by sharing their stories with you. Go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back, and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's The Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Thank you. Thank you for joining us again today. Welcome back. Hey, Dave. I'm a little Hello. obsessed with the trial, but I'm did you, talking lawyer stuff. Did yes. you see the cat and the lawyer? Yes. I, oh, the lawyer with the cat with the yeah, lawyer filter. That poor, would be funny. Poor lawyer didn't know how to turn off the cat filter, so he had a talking cat. It amazes me how some people pass the bar exam and go, go to law school and can't figure out. He could have just turned the video off. Just hit video. There's no getting into someone else's head. Anyway, so, so we all need a little break once in a while, and I discovered something new this weekend. I had purchased this product called Barbary Herbal Blends. And it is to sort of mix up with your cannabis. I like to smoke joints now. The whole pandemic thing is maybe sit by the window and be pensive, but I don't always want to smoke a whole <laughs> joint. So right. I bought this to sort of mix in with it, which is really lovely. So it's a cutter. It, it reduces the amount of weed you have in the joint. And so, exactly. okay, so you can enjoy and, the whole joint. Okay. And it's filled with like raspberry, grapefruit, all sorts of like lovely flowers and smells delicious. Mm. So, so the other day I was out of tea which is unbelievable for me. Mm -hmm. And you can steep this. So I steeped this with a little CBD wow. honey. It was so <laughs> delicious. So I don't think I'm smoking it anymore. I think I'm going to drink it. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I just checked it out. It's Barbary. You can go to barberyshop.com, B-A-R-B-A-R-I shop.com, herbals and embellishments to reach optimum something. I don't know. So, it looks very uh, what is it? Yeah. Desperation, necessity of invention or something? I was looking for something and that was there and it was delicious. So, and it helped relax me at night and 
we all need a little bit more relaxing, right? Yeah. The names of the products of this bar, what, what's the name of that product you have there? I have the Muse. The other ones listed on the website are Hemp Flower, Airplane Mode, and Car Sex. I know the car sex thing intrigued me, but it didn't quite make sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm too old. That doesn't even appeal to me anymore. (laughs) I know. know. The physics, forget it. It's not worth the trouble. But you know what else is very um, relaxing between car sex and tea? (laughs) (laughs) Do tell. Gardening. (laughs) Bring us back to earth. Yes, gardening. Bring us back to earth. So I always talk about how I have no green thumb and I have no... I can't grow anything, but I'm going to learn. So today we have a very special segment, a special guest, actually, who is going to help me grow weed in my garden, hopefully, and will hopefully help you too. So stay tuned about 30 minutes in it. We're having a special guest about gardening and cannabis and something I need. So I'm sure other people out there need it too. Cool. That's a teaser for you. That is a teaser. Look at Mm. me looking to podcast. And all right, let's talk about today's guest. I met today's guest on a virtual networking event Sometime in 2020, it is very hard to keep track of time lately. She was in Canada and was planning on moving to the States during the pandemic to be closer to her business. And I think I told her it was a bad idea. (laughs) We'll check in with her. So today's guest is on a mission to introduce all of us to an innovative alternative beverage, which blends the best California grapes and premium cannabis. She is also, like me, a woman starting on a new path now that her children are grown. Here today to talk about the extraordinary beverages she has created for Viv and Oak, how it feels to be a mature woman in the emerging cannabis industry, and how do we get her products out here on the East Coast. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Alana Burstein, founder of Viv and Oak. Welcome. Hey guys, thank you, Joyce, for asking me to be on your podcast. A real privilege, and I've been looking forward to this all week. So let's just start with your personal story. I know we, I think we met on a Togativity virtual event, I think, and you are going to come back. You're coming out of the state. So let's just start. What was your journey to get to the moment of starting Viv and Oak? You can tell it as you want. <laughs> yeah, so the journey started Viv and Oak. I love wine, but alcohol made me feel sick. And I just, the hangovers became terrible. And I said, there has to be a better way. I'm really healthy, health conscious, like to take care of my body. So it only seemed natural to start thinking of ways that I was going to create this. So and were you in that, So were you working in the wine industry earlier? Is that how you started? No, not at all. no I actually sales and marketing just okay. for my kids. So I'm going to go back Okay. sales and marketing before my kids. And then I had my kids when I was young and then I was lucky enough to raise them. And after that, I was like, okay, now what? And I knew that I wanted to start something, but it had to make sense for me. I didn't really want to work for anybody. That made no sense to me. Yeah, I think a lot of us are like that now. (laughs) And I said, I, I always wanted to have my own business, but I had to have it resonate with me. I couldn't just do something that I didn't love so much, right? And I wanted to feel that like we have with our kids, right? Exactly, yeah. So I drink too much alcohol and it just made me an unauthentic version of myself but not a healthy way. And so we're probably think- comparable ages. Like I always said, I could come home and drink a bottle of wine. No one thought anything of it. Easy. Not have thought. Fine, <laughs> but then it kind of catches up with you a little. Yeah. So, but I said there has to be a better way. So and then I was set to, I love wine. So I start. I had to operate in a facility that was legal and licensed and everything. So 
Canada was not there at all. So that meant I went to Oregon for. So you were, where were you in Toronto? Where were you? Where did you start? Pardon me? Where, where did you start in Canada? Where were in, you living? In Canada, in Toronto, but I couldn't operate here, right? So I had the whole cannabis idea to infuse in the wine. I was getting more, you know, people were talking about it more and legalization in California and all that. So and and what, and a lot of what year is this? Were you starting to so this have this? Is, this is five years ago. Okay. So you've been a while. Okay. Five years ago. So, you know, and I just threw myself into every cannabis event and just learn and just I had to learn everything and were you like me did you understand did you know and the cannabinoid did you know that we had a system did you know how cannabis worked into everything and it was also like it was not legal yet right I threw myself into every underground place where they were talking about it yep um people were using it different ways to consume and what was your relationship with it before deciding that it should be part of or an alternative I guess to wine because it only seemed like the most natural. That was like almost the segue into... What was your relationship with cannabis though? Did you think of it as a... a Cannabis for me, when I was in high school, it was like kind of recreational, but it would like made me feel weird. And I never, and I did a little bit here and there. It just made me say, alcohol was my choice. Okay. A drug of choice or drug of choice. (laughs) Kind of that up. I started with edibles. Okay. So edibles started the journey with that. And I was kind of making them in my kitchen, but it was unpredictable, Mm -hmm. the onset. And I just found this is not what people are going to be doing, popping gummies before they go places, right? And high in sugar, and it can last a long time. And it's- So were you you talking about this with your friends? Did they think this is something crazy or were they like, this is a great idea? No, they were loving loving that I was like, this in my kitchen and they were like excited, right? Are we part of the team? Yeah. So between cookie dough and gummies and when I was actually selling a little bit to the black market. And it was a great little business I was making, but so you were like a Nancy Botwin too. I keep introducing all these like Nancy Botwins across the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, anything. It brought in some money for myself. And it also I said, when it makes you feel good too, right? So so that right. so you're starting sense. with edibles, you're starting with this idea that it's well, something it's better for you, but it wasn't working. Okay. No, it was just like, you know what? It was just that wasn't it. Okay. So I was having lunch with a friend and I said I really, well, it was a marketing friend. And I said, I really want to create something with cannabis, but I don't, was, uh, I don't know what I want to do yet. So the waitress just came and she poured a, gla- a bottle of Pellegrino. And I said, that's it. I said, it's a beverage. A beverage. So from there, that <laughs> aha moment. And I remember going home and I said, this is what I want to create. I want to create a non-alcohol cannabis infused wine. So I started. Did you, did you have any sense of how that would make you feel? I just, I. Yeah, people thought it was absolutely crazy. No, but did you have like, so when I think of, you know, so cannabis has a lot of, it creates a lot of different feelings in people like this pain, medication issues, there's anxiety, there's, so was there an intention of like relaxation or an intention to? So you can hold something when you're with a group of people and have that elevated social experience and never be left out of a party. That's, yeah, it's almost like an anti-anxiety. It's almost like yeah. keeping your anti-anxiety, no, exactly, like yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm a little bit of an introvert, like that depends. Mm-hmm. But and for me, that was so valuable. Mm-hmm. I love to have my friends over. They drink their wine. One smokes a joint, but but smoking—that's the whole thing around it, stigma and stuff like that. But what's better than holding a glass? And it's so it's so normalized. I keep trying to like I do a lot of events, plan events. I do events at my with my temple and. I just so badly want to do a CBD 
kind of bar thing someday because I've gone to wedding expos and I've seen how you can actually set up events now, but I've never actually been to one. But I, your beverage is actually a perfect, it's just the perfect uh, way to introduce people, I think. All right. So let's talk about what it is. So what is it you've made? Sigma way, right? And having yeah. it in a bottle and just. Yeah, like, it's just normal. It's very normalized and it feels very comfortable. Right. Yeah. So yeah. And it creating, it was really fun. We were so, you know, it was like 1% even less of the market. There was no bottling lines really, but it turns out that when I went to California after Oregon for six months, it didn't work out. So were you pursuing, who were you talking to? Are you talking to people who had, um, talking to people that were all in advance. All events. All events. So. I threw myself into oh, cannabis. It was all kinds of events, leafly events. But were, you try, but were you trying to connect with them? Um, like people who are in the wine industry or are we trying to find people in both? What are you looking anything, for? Anything. anything. Okay. I went to wine shows. I went to everything because I thought too, like why in re- um, reinvent the wheel, right? Maybe I can buy my wine from a non-alcoholic wine company and we can work together like partner. Right. That's enough. Um, okay. I was finding that all the non-alcoholic wines on the market are not good and they're <laughs> high in sugar and calories and they do nothing for you. Okay. So as they are. But so I said, we have to create this. We got to do this. So you went went from not knowing anything about the wine industry, deciding you're going to create a whole new beverage. Okay. So (laughs) never um, underestimate the power of a smart woman. Get involved. That's your first venture you get involved with is beverage. Like way to go. And I like just pick the the most challenging one out there. So and cannabis and the regulations on top of that. So yeah. I got to California and then all the people just all fell into place. Like so basically you're bottling. finding, you're finding your connections to bring this together to create this product. Exactly. So who, who'd you find first? Our bottling line. So actually, sorry, our, our alcohol extraction company Okay. first, and then went to our co-packer. And then from there, it went to our infusion technology company. And you know? yeah. the cannabis people wary of, the people who are producing the cannabis, were they wear working with wine companies? Is this oh, a thing? Yeah. Well, it definitely needs some extra loving care versus like a seltzer water. Right. Right. So yeah, like more people had to come on the team, wine people that knew how to care for it. it was, if it was sitting for too long, it has to be CO2'd and, and gassed and just... I, I don't know anything about what you do, but I'm just imagining all the layers of cannabis regulation on top of whatever goes on with alcohol. I don't even know. This is not, I don't know what this is actually. It is yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're pulling this all together. Basically you're creating like, like a matrix. You're trying to bring all this together to one product. Yeah, okay. Totally. But it, you know, and, it, and it's exciting and it, there, it's all these crazy emotions that go through you. Right. Oh yeah. All oh, the entrepreneurship people. I've gone through this. Like, you know, so what am I doing? This is crazy. This is the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, I know. No, it for sure. <laughs> and you know what? It makes you so freaking resilient. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it like, I'm like, who are you sometimes? You know? Well, just sort of talk about your backstory. Didn't you like sell everything and come back to the States? Like, did you actually do that? Did you actually, yeah. did you sort of, I sold, did my, you... house five, I sold my house five years ago yep. to start this venture because I knew I had, it would be money because I had to travel to a state that was legal. Right. So um, that costs a lot. And then over time, yeah. So I, I, I sold everything five years ago. I was renting a house with my kids. And then I said, I'm going to be spending as much time I can in California because I have to run the business. Right. So it only seems natural. My kids, my daughters are 22 and 20, 21 and 23. Mm-hmm. And I moved them into a condo. 
So it was perfect. And I spent four months, I sold everything in my house. I wasn't going to store it. And then I spent four months in California and it was the best thing, but I get more done being at home than running around in California. Yep. It just, it, it's time management. That's a waste. Like, so, but, but you, did you come down, you came down during the pandemic though. Is that when you actually moved? It was just, yeah, it was just right. before it was, yeah, it was just before the pandemic. Yeah, so maybe I down for about three months. Yeah, okay. All right. So you're in California now though. Or wait, yeah, you're... So I mean, no, sorry. During the Cal, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. during COVID. So, but it wasn't as bad. Like everything wasn't locked down. Right. What I was finding that the amount of driving that I was doing down there and say going into dispensaries and sales calls and things like that, it wasn't really happening. Right. So since I've been back now um, for over a month. All right. So, so this is kind of your. In California, you coming, did you come back to Canada recently? Is that where you are now? Yeah, I came back to Toronto. Alana, let's talk about some of the products. So we talked a lot about the process. It's, it's kind of boggling my head how complicated it is to bring these two industries together. Plus you're in Canada and you're trying to produce it in America. So let's just talk about, I know this, I've seen them on the website. Can you just describe some of the benefits and what they actually taste like and maybe some of the experience you might have with it. I kind of think of it as relaxing, like taking anxiety away, but I don't know if there's anything specific. And if you work with any certain cannabis strains and terpenes and all that to create something. Yeah. So yeah, we, we have a sparkling rosé. We wanted to actually do our red first, but it, the emulsion wasn't ready for us. So we started with the rosé, even though there was a couple on the market for, but we, the taste is amazing. We infuse it, we dealkalize it, we infuse it. We did two different dosing styles for that. We did a 50 milligram per bottle. So it gives you 10 milligram per um, five ounce glass. And then we also did a one-to-one. So 25 THC, 20, um, 25 CBD. Which well, all right. So we're talking about your rosé. So we start yes, with rosé, which is very, that's a thing now. Like that's a very rosé, easy to drink kind of yeah. Yeah, accessible. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So we did dosing, different dosing styles because not everybody consumes the same way. Right. And we really wanted the consumers to tell us what their feedback was. And then we did the one-to-one as well, which is my personal favorite. And the rosé has hints of grapefruit, strawberry. It's so palatable. It's, it's clean tasting. You feel uplifted. You feel chatty. Um, you just feel a little bit more in for it. Okay. You know? That's a very, that's a very enticing right now to think that. Right, right. <laughs> and it's light, it's easy to enjoy. You can have one glass, you can have three glasses and just depends on your, your dosing. But the dosing is right on there. I feel like some of these weird right products don't have any dosing. It's so yeah. confusing. It's like, what's in this thing and how much should I be yeah. taking? Five ounces, yeah. five ounces. And we had to state it all yeah. on the thing, which... 24 capsules, but you're not yeah, going to okay, do that. Great. Okay. So, and then we did um, the sparkling um, Zinfandel, which is mm-hmm. our scarlet. And we did three different dosing styles for that. We did uh, 50 milligram per bottle, 10 uh, milligrams per dose. And then we did a CBD with a hint of um, THC for the entourage effects. That's 20 milligram of CBD. And then we did THC, CBD, and THCV. Wow. Okay. So, What's THCV? Uh, I don't know so that. So THCV is, we partnered with Doug Barron for, so he makes his own THCV, his own strain. And so we worked with him and what it does, it gives you a burst of energy. It gives you energy and it's also good for appetite suppressant. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So we decided to use it and just people um, love the THCV. They love because it's so unique. 
And then what do you suggest? Do you have recipe ideas on how to serve this or what to serve it with? Or do you go that far on your um, yeah. working with people? Okay. Yeah. So as far as like mixing the drink with yeah, other yeah. things. So when, you, and- when you're going out there and you're trying to tell people this is so great and this is yeah. what you can do with it. So do you have yeah. that? So of- no, I actually, I just think that it's amazing on its own. For sure in the summertime with the sangria and stuff, we did a whole blog about different summer drinks in combination. It sounds like to, to, my, to my ears out here, it sounds like the perfect kind of summer beverage, really. Definitely. Definitely. And make smoothies even with the CBD and add fruit to it. And, oh, that's an interesting. You know, idea. yeah. So it's a red wine like smoothie. So it was really good. After I worked out, I love that. So and even the we did a whole bunch of spritzers and stuff for with the the rose. So it was really nice mocktails, cocktails, you know. But it's not just but it's not just, just something I think of like you come home after work. This is something we can add. It's a beverage. We think of it as it's, a real beverage. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beverage. We like to say it's a wine because it is wine because it starts wine it doesn't just start from water and concentrate so we really like to say that it's wine even though it doesn't have the the alcohol in it the alcohol of wine is just such a small component right wine is more i think of wine as more of the grapes of the wine right rather than the alcohol part of it so it just there were there's a lot of love that goes into what we did so when you're so when you're putting these together so i'm learning more and more about the terpenes i literally know nothing about grapes but i'm sure there's some sort of idea like how do we work these together, the flavors and the scents. And yeah, so was that a big part of the process of creating these? And how did you do that? No, we have, we work with them, a technology company, Vertosa, who we love, and they source the material that works best for the emulsion. Because as we know, to turn the oil into a water soluble product that disperses into a liquid. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. There's a water, you have, oh my God, Lana, you're like literally taking on every single taboo or complicated aspect of the industry. All right, so if you don't understand, most products are actually some sort of oil or fat-based. That's how people usually um, incorporate their uh, cannabis into a product. So water-soluble is a very, it's a different process. I don't really understand, but I know it's a very different process and it's not typical. So you're doing something non-typical. Right. Yeah. Okay. Again. <laughs> Again. Um, so, yeah. So, it's a, you turn it into water soluble. So, we leave it to the experts for that, right? So, so yeah, we create it into emulsion, which surfactants are mixed. So, it's able to get into that state of being water soluble. And that's what it's been. It's spun into such fine nanometers. Like, it's like a... Uh, whatever of a nanometer and then that is why it hits in your mucous membrane and that's why the onset is so fast so So that's all I talk about this so one of the things about edibles which I don't kind of I'm not really an edible person the whole idea that eating something and then at some point during the night something's going to happen to me makes me kind of uncomfortable (laughs) so yeah, exactly. I like this idea that you're like, you drink it like wine in 15 minutes. So it's 15. Right. Talk about how that works. Yeah. So we wanted to mimic that whole experience. And also the big thing was like what I was saying about the onset and how this, the beverages we are created because you're spinning the emulsion in such a fine molecule. And then it hits on your mucous membrane very fast and that activates it. So it goes up high rather than if you ingest an edible, it goes down to your stomach and then it has to kind of work its 
way up, which makes complete sense, right? Well, that's so, kind of like the tincture thing. Like you take the tinctures under your tongue. That's and right. A, a fast acting, right? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So so that was so that's our products and low sugar. That's something that really we needed to stick by. So that's three grams of sugar and 19 calories per glass, 24 for the rosé. So diabetics, people that are- It's, an, it's a new alternative. So let's, let's just talk about like what, <clears throat> so you were in the States trying to get it into dispensaries. Is that how yes. you're trying to distribute it? Yeah. Then... So we're, we're now like 50 dispensaries throughout the okay. state. That's um, it. I don't think we have anything like that in Massachusetts. I don't think we have beverage. You might have beverages. Yet. Not yet. I think but we have you, one beverage. But, but your, market's, <laughs> your market's a good one. If oh they, yeah. Where the Northeast you know, is, um, Massachusetts is the you center. Have no, you have no problem with branding. Well, you know, a little bit, but not compared to Canada. Yeah. Oh yeah. Canada, no, I, I saw your packaging. Yeah. Yeah. I saw some of your packaging. Well, even, you know, cause I, so I work with a connection of women in Canada through the hip lives and we're calling it the Eve's collective. Yeah. And I do these phone calls with them and I, they're just, it's a very different business up there. Everything yeah. about this business model is different because of our national um, issues and we're so state specific and so not just state specific we're like local specific to each state like municipal level town level so this is a very complicated scenario in the states because <laughs> everything is so different and Canada yeah. at least I know you have a lack of products and those other issues but you're unified in this yeah it's a trade-off yeah. I suppose at some level but it'll it just makes it consistent across the country so all right so you're down in the states are you selling in Canada at all no no, not at all. No, they're not. They're not ready here. And I and are you I know there's been a whole obviously the pandemic events and things. So what do you see? What were you trying to do in 2020? Were you trying to get involved with like weddings or like like what? what well, you it, was all the, it was all the shows, right? The shows. So okay. all the shows. So that was pre um, COVID. So all the shows that we had, we were booked for like eight shows. But anyways, but since that, like we definitely had hiccups with our distribution partners. So and have you had that, any weather issues? Because uh, these are two agricultural crops. So ha- have you any weather issues in terms of where you're getting your product from? No problems. No, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Knock on wood. Yeah. 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 So there's lots of wine and no shortage of cannabis. So yeah. yeah. And then just in terms like I always kind of shift it to the mom perspective. So I talk a lot about even the New York Times had this whole section this weekend about how the pandemic is just broken open this chasm of what happens to mothers when they don't have help and how this isn't burnout women are feeling. This is like literally betrayal that we're just <laughs> I mean seriously. <laughs> and that wine obviously has become a very big coping mechanism for moms, which isn't always the best option. Do you talk to women about this? Is this something that people come to you that they, because a lot of my, the women I talk to in the CBD world, that's like their focus is just trying to help relax moms and help them get through the day and help them be present and try to move through this pandemic as healthily as possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's the awareness, right? I can do that in California. I can't do that in Toronto. The product is not here. So I can try to sell it, but, but, um, but in California, yeah, this is what we're marketing towards, like how it's a much better alternative because people are drinking too much because they don't have that alternative or they don't know about that alternative. People are really struggling right now. But with that being said, I really see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like we've had so many tragedies, traumas in this world, and we've all got out of it, right? Yeah. And we're, we, and we're moving forward. I kind of, you know, I hate all the stuff that's happening to moms, but I, because it's finally exposed, maybe we can entirely fix it. So that's always been my sort of mantra. And that's why I like cannabis, because right. I'm hoping we're building an industry that acknowledges that people need caregiving and that this is a 
plant that cares for us, we have to care for it, which is sort of a good segue into my next segue, in that we need to build an industry that supports humans. And I think cannabis is part of it. So I love that idea. All right. So Alana, we got some more to talk about, but we have our other special guest sort of segment today. So we're going to come back on the other side with Alana of Viv and Oak to talk more about her products and what's happening in 2021 and where you can find it and how we're going to get her out here to the East Coast because I have to try this. I think this is my perfect summer drink. Surprise, it's me again. I want to take a minute to thank everyone who's made season two of the Cannamom show so much fun and so popular. Honestly, I'm a little overwhelmed. And to show our gratitude, the Cannamom show team has some exciting news to share with you. If you are a cannabis-focused business or want to find cannabis industry connections in your field, or want to engage with cannabis activists, we want to hear from you. Because beginning in 2021, The Cannamon Show will be offering sponsorships that will allow you to support the voices of women in this industry that need to be elevated and give you the opportunity to connect with the thousands now engaged each and every week with The Cannamon Show on multiple social media platforms, podcast distribution sites, and internationally on our Canadian Cannamon Amy Ryman site, Hip Lives. So if you sell a product, offer a service, or want to engage others, the Cannamon Show wants to hear from you. And together, we will crush that cannabis stigma one canna story at a time. Now, back to the show. All right. So today, I am calling this segment Speaking Gardening and Cleaning Up Weed Nonsense with my new friend, Joanna Silver, author of Growing Greek Growing Weed in the Garden. Welcome, Joanna. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I know we want to talk about sort of very specific things about gardening, but let's just do a quick intro of why so much about growing weed in the garden. Sure. I know a lot about gardening, period. I was, I do not come from the cannabis world. I was the garden editor at Sunset Magazine, a magazine that's out here in the West and worked there for 10 years, starting with a shovel in my hands, running their test garden and then being the garden editor. So I write I write and know about just gardening. It's my happy place. And when I got laid off in 2017, when private equity bought the joint, I went barking up all my contacts trees and an old editor had landed at the San Francisco Chronicle. And she asked me, it was right on the cusp of recreational use and cultivation going into effect in California. And she asked me to grow weed in my garden and documented as a gardener. And I told her, I don't even know where you get seeds. And she said, great, that's your opening line. And so in working my way through a 10 part series for the San Francisco Chronicle, I found that gardening, growing information for someone like me, a home gardener, not interested in going into business, not interested in doing it indoors, just any book that any information that just treats it like a plant was completely hard to, to find. And everything was about what strains, which is a term I don't use, will do to you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I wrote that book. It's my second book actually in the gardening world. And just breaking it down from on a very accessible level for people who are remotely interested yeah in in gardening or in cannabis and also worked with a phenomenal lifestyle photographer who I worked with all through my magazine days really just elevating the way that we see the plant it's just completely outside in the garden with someone who speaks gardening not cannabis exclusively um, walking you through how to do it which is great so I always say I have no green thumb. Everyone says I need to have a relationship with this plant. 
So today we're going to talk about step one. So I'm in Massachusetts, people in Canada, people all across the country. This is different literally in every state. So we're going to kind of go through with our friend to talk about Joanna about how this step one, how do we get seeds and why seeds over clones, I guess, is sort of the topic for today. Sure. And so it's winter, right? It's winter where you are. I won't taunt you with how gorgeous it is out it's here. Very but, snowstorm. Um, snowstorm out there. Right. Snowing. right. <laughs> um, so it is maybe feeling odd to think about gardening, but indeed winter is perfect seed catalog time. Not that there are actually seed catalogs for weed. That would be terribly <laughs> exciting, but it it's is so pretty. Uh, weed plants are actually pretty. I had no idea that. Yeah, they're, they're gorgeous. Pretty. Yeah, I had no they're idea. Gorgeous. Maybe we should um, start that, a beautiful catalog. <laughs> Maybe. So, so it is a good time to start thinking about seeds, especially because it is, they are more complicated than a pack of tomato seeds to get your hands on. As Alana was mentioning, or no, as you were mentioning, everything is municipality by municipality. So you need to first make sure you're in a state where it's legal to grow and find out the distinct rules to your municipality. And things are very different. For example, Where I live in California, the only legal place to get seeds or clones is from a dispensary. Where you live in Massachusetts, they don't sell them at seeds or dispensaries. Your main legal option is to go to like cannabis trade events. And that's where a lot of vendors are. And then there are people who are selling seeds. And um, in the Northeast, two of the best places to get seeds are one is called Bay State Seed, and, and he has—he's been in the business since 2013, like questionably legal, but legal now. Legal. And he has a lot of genetics that I respect, and I'll explain why that's important. And also Pine State Seeds—they're in Maine, and the reason—but they'll—she'll drive and like meet home gardeners. They're eager to get their genetics out, and the reason I really like her is she carries Humboldt Seed Company seeds, and those are out from here bred by like a real breeder. He's, he's a salmon biologist in his day job. So the reason that I say that it really matters, the genetics is that weed is really like the wild west of gardening. Any other plant that you get your hands on has been backed by university research, disease resistance has been bred in, there's all like, we know a lot about this plant. Cannabis, no records were really kept for the last hundred-ish years because it would just add to your prison sentence. So things are (laughs) very, very, yeah, that's true. Things are very, very murky in terms of what's what. So one person's OG Kush might be totally different from somebody else's. So as we might have some familiarity with the farm to table movement, and you've gotten maybe a little bit better about asking those tracing questions about where your food's coming from, you want to sort of apply that thinking to your cannabis. So just as much transparency as you can get from where the seeds are coming from, who the breeders are, that type of thing. I'm not saying there's like the perfect answer yet, but just to start applying that lens. Anyway, yes, I do really encourage people to start from seed versus clone. Those are sort of your two options. Clones are not baby plants. They're not like baby plants that have just been planted and you're buying that plant. They are cuttings from mature mama plants. And I think, I know that seed starting freaks people out if they're not, if they don't have green thumbs, but clones should freak you out more because they are sort of ready to snap into flowering, but at the drop of a hat, if anything goes wrong, they're just like, I'm done. I'm flowering the end where, whereas seeds, I know it's really scary when you're not a green thumb. And I believe me, I relate. I I got into gardening in my twenties. I wasn't swinging in the trees as a kid. You, you put a, a seed under a little bit of soil in a, maybe a little container and you water it and it grows and 
that juvenile plant is actually super, super resilient. It's like, they're like my three-year-old son who is like a rubber. I just froze for like a minute. What happened, Dave? Did I freeze? No, I think it was made by internet. <laughs> Shoot. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, but it's. Is it okay? Because I was like sort of sitting here. I didn't know if she could hear me. Did you get all her, what she said? Because I yep. didn't hear it. Like, okay. She wasn't broken up, so. Oh, sorry. It's just. Me. Okay. All right. Keep going. <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, seed, seeds. Plants started from seeds. I was saying, yeah, plants started from seeds are like young juveniles. They're young juveniles, just like my son, who's like a rubber ball. He gets a cut, it heals the next second. Juveniles form a taproot, a strong taproot that goes straight down right away. Clones don't have that root structure. And they um, are just really resilient, like less than ideal spring conditions. Doesn't, they don't bat an eye. They're still going to grow nice and nice and strong. So I encourage you to be brave and start something from seed. It's really like a magical, beautiful process. That and compost are like the two things that make me believe in God. So now is a great time to start finding your seeds. And I would say, don't be scared about which cultivar to use. And I use the word cultivar because strain is a term from biology we use around like flus and viruses, right? This is not a word that we use in the gardening world. We all, so I say cultivar, which is the, technically correct word, even though we all sort of misuse the word variety. So if you want to say variety, that's fine. But anyway, so now is a great time to choose your cultivars and you might not be able to be so super picky with some of these seed sources that I just mentioned. They're going to have really reliable genetics. And then beyond that, I like your first year growing, choose names that you like. If you're somewhere in the Northeast with a shorter growing season, you do want to look for something that is claiming to be an indica. Indica sativa are totally outdated, nonsensical terms when it comes to use, but they are helpful in thinking about where the plant evolved historically. And so sativas are from equatorial regions with super long summers and indicas are from colder regions with shorter growing seasons. So forget about what you think it's going to do to you. You're going to get a hybrid no matter what, but look for something hash, purple, indica, some of these words in the name. And yeah, it's a warm season annual. It's like a tomato one season and done. And I like fruity. I, my first year, I was so intimidated by these terrible names. I didn't want like green crack or AK 47 growing outside in my garden. So I did super fruity things, blueberry muffin, mango trees. This year I did grow a chem lemon crossed with cherry pie and holy hell smelled so good. And I love it. So a little bit going towards that chemi world more than I thought I would. So I'm no longer judging just by names, but there's no going wrong. And to your point about not being a green thumb, I think that the definition of a gardener is someone who kills something and keeps going. (laughs) The best, the indica sativa thing, that short season, long season, that makes so much sense to me. Like that's the first time that made sense to me. Like I'm like always intimidated by what do I even pick? Like if I even started to do this, how would I even know? So I love fruity. That's, if I do consume cannabis, it has to be fruity. I just love that. I, and I didn't know I could actually grow my own that way. And I figured it took all the men with the lights and the cabots and the covers. And No, right. it's a plant. <laughs> it's a plant. It grows outside. It's probably the oldest cultivated plant. So it's the first plant that humans decided to tinker with and select for things. It's grown everywhere where humans have lived. It does not need lights and equipment. It's a plant. It's called weed. Okay, so out here on the Northeast, when should a person like me start doing whatever it is you're supposed to do with the seeds for the first thing you're supposed to do with the seeds? Which is put them in soil and water them. So cannabis tracks very nicely with tomatoes. 
So if you go to like the farmer's almanac online, you can get pretty specific down to your zip code and find the calendar of when you should plant tomato seeds. That's around the time that you want to plant your cannabis seeds. And for that in the Northeast, you probably do want to start them in a sunny windowsill. So that part is in inside or outside. And if you have a little greenhouse or a little cold frame, something like that, but you don't need lights. You don't need any of that stuff. All right. My God, that was a lot of information. I'm so excited. I'm really going to do this. So let's go back to me again. So Massachusetts, the best way you had a couple of names of the seed companies that we're going to have in here. How many seeds would a person want to get or how would it even Oh, so you should be prepared that also that seeds are very expensive. Oh, that's a good thing to point out. Yeah. But before you like gasp in horror, know that this is, first of all, it represents the risk that's been baked in keeping these seeds bred over a hundred ish years of prohibition. So we have our, we have these people to thank for keeping seed lines alive and also that Keep it in mind of how much bud you're going to harvest every anywhere from several ounces to a pound from one plant. So that also makes the price seem a lot more reasonable. What was, oh, the so, two sources I mentioned. So, so what, so what, which, so when you're pricing, how many seeds should you get and what's oh, the, right. really, what's the price so, that you're looking at? Yeah. So it's anywhere from $20 to a hundred for five to 10 seeds. It's crazy. It's like, it, it can feel a little crazy to spend $100 on 20 seeds. But you, they'll probably come in, well, online at seed banks, which I don't recommend using because you really have no idea where they're coming from. They can be cheaper. But anyway. And, and are all the seeds female seeds? Is that guaranteed? No, so, I, oh. so that's something that's really special about cannabis is that it's dioecious. There are separate male and female plants, and that's pretty rare in the plant world and pretty awesome. So you have your choice. You can buy feminized seeds, which means you're just getting females because what you're after is unpollinated female flowers at the end of the day, unless you're looking for a crop full of seeds. And I've never grown feminized seeds. I start them all. And then I get to tell the difference between male and female. And the reason I like doing that is because it's a process called sexing the plants. And I just think that's cool. I've never had to sex any plants of anything I've ever grown. And it's, I think it's cool to learn the flower structures, but so you can either start them feminized or you can start them all and learn how to tell the difference with your eyes when they start to pre-flower, or you can buy a little genetic testing kit from, there's all sorts of companies that make them. If you just Google cannabis genetic tests, you can get a look. Those are kind of expensive too, 40, $60. And you smash the cotyledon. Okay. You smash the first little leaves that show up. They're little round leaves. They don't look like the beautiful iconic cannabis leaves, but you set, you basically smash the cotyledon, which has the genetic material and mail it to a lab right after they've germinated. And it'll tell you what, which ones of yours are male and female. So then you're not spending any potting soil or resources or compost or water on male plants. So that's also a really fun thing to do. I think that's funny. No male resources. All right. That is a lot of information. And we're going to have her back next week because I know that was just about seeds and it's not just about seeds. So if you're listening, go research, figure out how to get them. And then you can kind of grow along with me. If you're in the Northeast, I guess if you're in a different part of the country, you have a different cycle, but I'm excited. I'm going to do it this year and I'm going to prove people that I can raise something besides just people. I can raise a plant too. (laughs) So Joanna, thank you so much. Just tell people again, the name of your book and how to reach you and that you'll be back next week too. Sure. My book is called Growing Weed in the Garden, a no-fuss seed to stash guide to outdoor cannabis cultivation. And yeah, I'm Joanna Silver. I think the most fun place to find me is over on Instagram, Jojo Silver, where I have, since the pandemic, posted a lot of videos of me gardening with my child. So. Oh, 
my favorite thing. Excellent. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank right, you. So we're back, back with Alana Burstein of Viv and Oak. So are you a grower? Do you know how to grow cannabis? I don't, but I'm fascinated and I've always wanted to. So that's, I'm definitely going to have to hit Joanne up one of these days. All right. Like follow follow along with the visit. Okay. Let's talk about, uh, let's just talk about 2021. (laughs) Let's pretend 2020, whatever it's fast. What are you looking forward to 2021? I know the whole event world, restaurant world is sort of upside down. So maybe you're finding some unique Avenue or just tell me what you're finding. Yeah, totally. Right now we are making ways. We're, you know, getting into people's hands. We're getting into more dispensaries where it's just right now. So we're very fortunate that we're an essential business. Thank goodness. It could be a lot worse. So yeah, so we're working on our single serves right now. So we're looking forward to getting going with the whole production side of things. And then once we have a solid foundation and we're ready to scale or we're scaled, then we will definitely look at other states. So that's kind of the big picture that we see right now. But it is California. It's its own wild world. We have Um, to get there. It's a huge market to penetrate. It's a huge market. And we got to master that right now, right? Before we even, like, we got to really just go long and deep. We don't want to spread ourselves too thin. We do have a strategy and, and we're looking for financing as well. So well, that's a big piece. Okay. Everyone's always like, so we're looking for spouses. This, yeah. you know, this is the world of cannabis, but yeah. it's hard to get into. It requires a sort of persistence that is not, I don't know, typical, but the women I'm meeting are staying in it. And it's always about money uh, for everybody. We see it everywhere, this cannabis industry. And the banking is really complicated. So if you're out in California, go out and buy a bottle of Vivint Oak because, you know, <laughs> it's warm out there. You'll probably enjoy it in the sun. It'll be awesome. All right. So we're actually running up on time. So Alana, what's the best way for people to reach you if people are in California and want to purchase your product? Where are the best places to find? Yeah. So I mean, go on my website, which is vivinoak.com. So there has a store locator and also on Instagram, it's viv underscore oak. And then on Facebook, Twitter, it's Alana and it's vivinoak. And it'll all be in our notes. You can always find everything about our guests. You know that. So Alana, thanks so much for joining us today. I just, I say this to all my guests. I can't wait to meet people in person. Me too. Me too. Thank you, Joyce. I I really had a good time. I do a lot on Clubhouse. We're kidding how when we finally meet in person, we're going to, we know each other's voices, but we're going to have to wear our little labels because we're not going to recognize each other. That's true. I can see you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that was my guest, Alana Burstein of Viv and Oak. We know how to connect. And I want to thank our special extra guest, Joanna Silver gardener and author of growing weed in the garden she'll be here next week for another segment of speaking gardening and cleaning up that weed nonsense i want to thank my canabro david jazz thanks for the technical glitches again dave and i want to thank josh lampkin and bella jaffe for writing and performing the cannabis theme music Catherine for another great job as my social media manager and of course i want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the cannabis show where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry one can a story at a time please follow us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast i'm your host joyce gerber this is the cannamom show and we are a production of pod 617 the boston podcast network
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.